Christians believe I am Eman and I am Pastor Dan and today we're talking about salvation good topic it's, it's the way it's, it's what everything it's what it leads up to this oh, okay right yeah. so for those of you who are joining us a previous episodes what we're doing with this podcast is we're describing what Christians believe and not only that but we're trying to give a rational basis for that belief mm. why we believe it's true so first episode first couple episodes we established that there's a supernatural realm mm-hmm Without that, there's no such thing as spirituality or Christianity or anything else. Right. And we talked about morality, and then we talked about uh, the fact that we can determine from looking at nature, like it says in Romans one twenty, we can see from creation certain aspects of God's personality. Mm-hmm. So, for example, we know from intelligent design theory and biology that there's a there's an intelligence giver out there. Mm-hmm. And we, we, we looked at the arguments, the classic arguments for the metaphysical realm, that that creator, by necessity, has to be outside of space and time. So that's starting to sound a lot like a god, mm, which right. most thinkers throughout history have believed in. Right. It's, our, it's our chronological time in history in which we have more atheism per capita in this part of the world anyways. Right. Then there has been in the highest ranks of thought, philosophy, science, throughout the decades, the eras before us. Right. So what is commonly termed general revelation is what we can determine about God's character from the things that he has made, mm-hmm. nature. And we've kind of touched on the basics of those in the last few episodes. Now, But then we Christians get into the realm of special revelation. Mm-hmm. And we even had an episode on the Bible. Did God write a book? Right. That was episode three. And we made the rational case for believing in the inspiration of the Bible. What that gives us at this point, and I, the analogy I use with my kids is, if I'm on a desert, a desert, what I think is a deserted island, but then I see footprints in the sand, I see a, a campfire that's been made and gone out, I know some basic things about there's somebody else on the island. Mm-hmm. That's, to me, general revelation about God. There is a God of some sort out there right. who has intelligence, free will, consciousness, but is outside of space, time, and matter. Right. But if, I, if I'm on the island and I find the, this mystery person that I haven't met yet, but I find their journal, now I start to know things about them personally mm, that yeah, I could never discover, even if I found their DNA. Right. And the Bible reveals God's inner thought life and will for mankind in a way that we can't access outside the Bible. Right. Yep. Makes sense to me. Good. Um, I, th- I think you're, you know, the difference between general revelation and special revelation is what we're after, right? Yes. So general revelation is observable things we can uh, know. Uh, special revelations is things we can't know unless somebody tells us. Is that is that yeah. the idea? Okay. Basically. Okay. And when we talked about sin last time, you know, the fact that all all belief systems outside of Christianity, including secular belief systems. All agree that something's wrong with man, primarily. Yep. That's right. our biggest problem. Mm-hmm. Physics works fine. Gravity's okay. Electrons have the charge they need to have. F- nature works according to its laws without breaking its laws. Right. Humans seem to break the moral law all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and even if they don't call it a moral law, they admit what's wrong with man is kind of the underlying principle in any belief system. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And as Christians, we describe that as sin, a, a breaking away from God's moral law and character and spiritual death right right yep so 
salvation then is what we're going to talk about today. What does the Bible say salvation is? And how is it the answer to the sin problem? Right. Okay. Is there a question you have for me? Well, I mean, you're the pastor. <laughs> it's like me going to the doctor and saying, yeah. hey, what's, tell me about heart disease. How do I fix oh, okay. it? Okay. Okay. So what is, the, what, here's a question. If I was a non-Christian, I'd say, what, how, what does a man do to be saved? Uh, what does a man do to be saved? According to the Bible. According to the Bible, they um, repent of their sin, right? Which means uh, acknowledge it, own it. It's your responsibility. There's no passing it off, no, no more victimhood, right? You're responsible for your own sin. Um, admit they're a sinner, repent of that sin, um, and put your faith in the solution to the problem of sin, which is provided by God in creation, and namely it's his son who has the power to save you from the consequences of your sin. So he is the only one um, that has that ability to save people from the consequences of their sin. So if you want to be saved from the consequences of their sin, then Jesus Christ has to save you from the consequences of your sin. That's how you have to be saved. Okay. Now, if, it, most people interpret that to mean that we have to be really strict religious people. Hmm. Where does behavior modification <laughs> come in? Okay, so... Because it sounds like Italian, like that's pretty high goal to, you know. Right. So salvation is a is a series of things. It's not one thing. It is it is a label we give to a process, right, or a, a series of events. Um, and I think Romans eight articulates this very well as well. So what what salvation is is um, what is the the word where your spirit's made alive? Where, Quickening? No, no, it's a, there's a... Rejuvenation? <laughs> rejuvenation. Um, regeneration. Regeneration, right, that's okay. the one. Man, I don't know what, I should have <laughs> made some notes or something. <laughs> no, okay, so it starts with regeneration, the Bible says, and I, we don't, I don't know if we want to get into what that is, but your, your, your spirit comes alive, and you hear the good news of salvation, the good news of how there's a way to deal with this thing that's inside me, um, and you put your faith in the one who can fix that, and you get justified. Is the Justification is the thing. So Jesus has the power to have you stand before a holy God in judgment and be judged not guilty, right? You can, uh, justification is like a legal term in um, Greek, and it, it means to be declared not guilty. It's, mm -hmm. a, it's a legal standing. So you're made alive, you put your faith in Christ, he justifies you before the Father and promises that, that when you die and you actually have the reality of um, coming to meet God, you will be glorified before that and stand as, um, uh, as basically Jesus in the place. Like Jesus stands in your place he, because he takes yours. Right. He took yours for sin, and he, uh, you stand in his place for grace and mercy at the end of the okay. age. And the process in between the repentance and the justification that comes when you put your faith in Christ for salvation from your sin and glorification, what comes at the end of your life, that's called sanctification. That's also part of salvation. That's where your how do we behave in this world question comes in mm -hmm. because it is a result of the regeneration and the justification. Okay. 
it's not a, it doesn't contribute to that. And it's the thing that God promises that he will do, right? If he's going to justify you and regenerate you and glorify you, he's going to sanctify you. So the, the behavior change is something that is affected upon you okay. as a result of what God has done for you. So for, for the uninitiate, you would say regeneration comes first and foremost. Well, the Bible says regeneration right. comes first and, and foremost. And then regeneration, because this is something... I, I'm actually going to pass it. This is a theory that I've had because I remember when you read in the Bible and it says that non-believers are spiritually dead. Yeah. I always thought to myself, well, that's strange because they clearly have a metaphysical soul because mm -hmm. they can. animals have a soul according right. to the Bible mm -hmm. and yet they're spiritually dead. Yeah. And then what I was thinking over the years is, okay, the words, one of the words for the Holy, receiving the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, New Testament, or the terms, is we're receiving the implanted seed. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the Greek word for seed has the same root word as, let's say, when a man seeds a woman to make yep. a baby. Mm -hmm. So we're receiving something that doesn't otherwise exist in us when the, when we accept the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. which causes... And I guess the way I looked at it was, you know, a woman has an ovum in her uterus, right? But it's not fertilized with a sperm. Right. So in a sense, it's... A, it's a biological system, but it doesn't have human life. Okay. Until there's the fertilization from the outside seed. Right. Is that sort of the equivalent in a like? Because I mean, we all agree as Christians that the biological realm is kind of meant as a sketch yeah. of the spiritual realities. Right. Okay. Does God give us impregnate our like? Are we like an ovum? Uh, and I, seed, I don't know if that's the right way to think about the, this. The rails yeah. here. I think what the Bible, the, the best way the Bible describes salvation, that, that regeneration period process, is dead being brought to life, mm -hmm. right? So it's not a... But how is a non-believer spiritually dead? Um, the, okay, we talked about this last time, right? So Adam and Eve were born spiritually alive and physically alive. Mm -hmm. The spiritual life side of them had the ability to not sin, okay. right? So when we died spiritually, that ability died. So we are we are now dead to holiness and mm -hmm. faithfulness. Like okay. we we are we are unable to not sin. Mm -hmm. Our spiritual deadness renders us this way. We inherit death from Adam. Okay. So then, when you ask for the Holy Spirit as a non-believer. Come to the realization that I need, I'm a sinner. I'm going to have to pay for my sin at the end of time, at the end of my time. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't see myself as being able to be declared non-guilty on my own merits. Right. That's how it starts. Mm -hmm. And the word repentance, doesn't it mean a changing of the mind primarily? Um, it means to change your mind, but repentance in the um, Hebrew sense, I think it's to shuv. It's, you it's a change of direction entirely. Okay. It's not just mind. It's, it's will and emotions okay. and choices. And so we turn towards God and we ask first and foremost for regeneration. No, you don't ask for regeneration. Regeneration happens to you. Okay. Yes. You know, you're not aware we, of when it happens. We right. just know that it does. It precedes the confession of repentance and okay. faith. Because so God gives us the ability to see this. God gives us... Okay, so here's the thing. You talked about general revelation, right? So there's this thing, part of general revelation called general grace. 
And what God does is impress upon every single person the reality of his existence, okay. right? We, so they're without excuse. Without excuse. We know that there's a God. We know from the observations. We know because we know what's in our own mm-hmm. heart, our own conscience, right? He's put but, it on our hearts. Yeah, and the Holy Spirit's ministry to man in general is to convict people of sin, righteousness, and judgment. All people everywhere, right? That's God's Spirit's work in this world. That's all general revelation, general grace. So God presses upon every human being the reality of the need to solve this problem. What do you call that? General, general grace. General grace. Okay, so right? when, a per- does, when a person responds to that and says, I need forgiveness, what's that called? Uh, that would be... Repentance? Repentance, yeah. yeah. It depends on the level of... Okay. Like, is it a real decision or are you, you know, it's kind of the difference well, between just like, wanting the ticket a, to Disneyland a, or do you really want God to change that's you? That's what I'm saying. A genuine repentance moment comes first as a response to God's general call to all mankind. I uh, know. Then, okay, so on top of the general call to all of mankind, yep. right, God needs to actually specifically call people as well. That's okay. regeneration. When God now calls you into his kingdom for his own okay so does he have to call you before you can respond well i guess there i know that there are some people this is the big arminian calvinism debate yep i i honestly believe that um regeneration is real and required for repentance and faith you can't you can't come to repentance without god giving you not just a general um, revelation, a general call. He needs to specifically regenerate you to respond okay. to his so without gospel. His, so you've got general grace, a general call to all humankind. Mm-hmm. Plus, as it says in the Bible, that in our hearts he's placed eternity mm-hmm. and the truth that we need him. But so, read the next verse. It's such that he cannot find it. Right? So we have this thing that we know, mm-hmm. right, that we want, but we can't figure it out right we can't want the right thing so can you go the next step without him like at what point is it personal choice well it's see the the whole thing is it 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 is still calvinist well i i mean i'm just what the bible says right i think it's i think it's both like you still are responsible to make the choice right but you'll never be able to make the choice unless God himself regenerates you and changes you from spiritually dead into spiritually alive. Okay, so God basically chooses who he brings into the kingdom. Yeah. Okay, yeah. well, that's Calvinism. But it doesn't alleviate us of a responsibility to, to make I know, those choices. But can yeah. we make, is it a responsibility in the sense that we can, like, is it possible that he knows who, if they were given enough power would want to cooperate with him and follow him for the rest of their lives. In other words, they want him as a life coach. Okay. So is he regenerating those he knows are worth regenerating because they will freely respond to him if well, they were given enough power okay, to... Okay, so, I mean, you've read Ephesians chapter 2. Does God save us because of any worthiness found in us? Not worthiness, but a willingness. Well, well you just said worth. Okay. Bad word. I'm saying <laughs> someone who would willingly comply, who wants to be worthy, who wants to be made righteous, but can't do it on their own, and is therefore limply reaching out to the lifeguard for salvation, and then God goes, yes, I'll grab you and pull you out. Yes. Is that where, we're, where let's say, a Calvinist, I believe, would say, God literally duck, duck, damn, right? Like, he, he blesses those he has a reason for blessing those he blesses with salvation. 
He has a reason for leaving others unsaved. Is that what you believe? That the, it's 100% from his perspective. He chooses who to, to, to save. And it's based on some form of decision-making that we don't know about. Well, I, th I think the Bible's clear that God has determined the end from the beginning. He knows. Does that mean he knows the end from the beginning, though? But what's the difference? The difference is he's not authoring it. He sees it because he's outside of space and time. Our series of free will choices through space and time is something he literally stands outside of the way I stand outside of a comic book. Right. I can look at the beginning or the end of a comic strip, right. but I didn't write it. But I can observe it from outside the comic strip. I'm not stuck in the timeline. Right. But God did write it. Not everything about it. No. I mean, is there no such thing as genuine free will in human life? Oh, yeah, 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 So for that sure. party didn't author. How did we get free will if God didn't give it to us? Right, but if he hasn't given it to us as free will, it's not free will. No, I, I believe we have free will. Yeah. I, I believe you have real choices to make in your life. He didn't, and cause so me, he didn't choose for me to sin when I sinned. No, no, no. Exactly. You choose. Yes, Correct. absolutely. So that part he did not directly cause or author. But okay, just think about this whole idea of God before creation at all, right? So if he's like, okay, here's the plan, and he looks down the corridors of time, and he sees this whole thing laid out. Right. And he says... Including things he didn't personally author. Include oh, the whole That's story from saying. beginning to end. Correct. And... That's how he foreknows who will choose him. Okay, but that's still he's still the cause of that because he could say, oh, wait a second, and make a new plan. Sure. Right? So he, he has Allowed determined to happen. that this is going to be the story. Now, here's the th we got to remember. In the sense that he allowed it to happen, knowing what would happen, but not authoring what happened. I think God has ordained all of history, all of it's creation. Impossible. Because we got to remember, though, that God is God and we are not his will and his ability to accomplish his will. Yeah. Right. In no way violates our wills and our ability to exercise our wills. Right. But he right? did not author our sin. He, I don't, what do you mean author? He didn't. The world is not a fancy wind up toy that he created every facet of. Okay. Therefore like playing out exactly what he wants to happen. Yes, he has a sovereign will over, he will bend history towards his will without violating free will. But that is that does mean that he has seen that certain things are going to happen that he doesn't want having, he doesn't want to happen, but allows it to happen because he's giving us a platform on which to play out our free will, mm -hmm. which is called human history and our personal part in human history. Our mm -hmm. personal okay. life history sure. is how we respond to reality. And either we bend towards him or bend away from him. Okay. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll continue. Well, what I'm trying to say is I'm trying to plan it out so that someone who, who doesn't know anything about Christianity would understand the steps towards, I think we're getting into maybe too many rabbit holes here. <laughs> to keep it simple, we all understand, according to the Bible, that we need salvation, that we are sinners and we will be found guilty, you know, as, as Ray Comfort says, you know, mm -hmm. he says... He's, he does this in his street ministry. He says, if God was to judge you by the Ten Commandments, hmm. how would you do? Right. And people are like, well, I, I guess, I don't know. I'm not that bad. Okay, well, let's, let's just stop. If someone murders somebody just once, what do you call them? Hmm. Everyone says, murderer. a murderer. Yeah. He goes, okay, um, have you ever lied? People are like, well, yeah, so you're a liar. Mm -hmm. Like, well, no, I'm, I've lied, but I'm not a liar. Oh, well, 
We're going by the same standard here. You're a liar. Have you ever stolen anything, even something small? Most people have. Mm -hmm. Well, you're a lying thief. Mm -hmm. uh, have you ever looked at a person that you're not married to with lust? Jesus says that's adultery. Yeah. Ever hated somebody, had this extreme anger to somebody? Jesus says that's murder in your heart. Mm -hmm. So by your own admission, you're a lying, thieving, adulterous murderer. Yeah. And you've used God's name as a blasphemous, you've used God's name in vain. You're a blaspheming, lying. How do you think you would fare at Judgment Day if God was to judge you on his Ten Commandments? Right. At that point, everyone goes like, well, I, not well. Mm-hmm. And that's where the gospel comes in, saying God knows you're guilty. God says, you know, it says in Scripture, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So the number one step for a non-Christian understanding salvation is you have to first realize, is it true that you're guilty? Right. If you are guilty, now you, and you're going to court, you need a defense. Christianity says that defense comes from outside of your behavior. It's, you're not, you have to become, you have to get to a position when you face judgment, which we all will, where you're not judged on your own merits. Right, yes. That's the basics of what we call um, appropriate, appropriate, pro propitiatory. Pro propitiation? Propitiation. That's a fancy word that no one's gonna understand. I don't like using fancy words that other people can't understand, but not, it means Jesus is going to have his record put over your record mm. in okay. front of God. Okay. It's not that he fools God the Father, but God the Father set it up so that he could create a system, which I don't understand, mm -hmm. but the Bible teaches. I, I think what you're saying is imputation. Yes. That's not, not propitiation. Which um, means we're given Jesus's, Jesus lived on this earth, lived a perfect, righteous life. Not a single instant in his 30 some odd years of life did he mm -hmm. sin in thought, word, deed. Mm -hmm. Lived a perfect life. Right. The only perfect life that's ever been lived. Somehow, according, I don't understand it personally, the Bible does teach, however, that life can be placed over mine at judgment so that God sees Christ's life when he looks at my life and I will survive judgment. Right. Well, it's the double imputation. I believe in double, double imputation, right? Okay, some people don't. I believe that our sinfulness was imputed to Jesus, right? And he went um, to the cross to pay the punishment for the imputed sin of mankind. Mm -hmm right? Jesus's righteousness has been imputed to me so that when I stand before God, I stand on his righteous record, not my own. So it's because it's not enough that I am void of uh, sin, right? I'm, I, to, to be, I'm, it's not enough to be neutral. I have to be holy. And so the only way I get that is if I have a holy God, give me his righteousness, Right? So that's what happens. I give Jesus my sinfulness, he deals with it, and he gives me his righteousness, and I inherit it forever. Yep. And that's what he meant at the cross when he said, it is finished. Mm. That's an accounting term. Yes, the, yes. The, 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 Tetelestai. Yeah. yeah. Paid in full. Paid in full. Yeah. I have a debt. He has paid it. Right. Because if, if he has paid the debt for every person's sin who has been imputed to him. Right. Yes, for sure. And therefore, the good news about that is that if someone's murdered your parent or if someone's, you know, done something bad to you in life, it's not like God looks the other way. Mm. God put it on Christ and full wrath of God, the Father, mm. was poured onto the God, the Son. Yeah. Someone was punished for that sin. It has been noticed yes. and dealt with. Yes. And for those, anyways, so either Christ pays for it 
or the person who did it pays for it in eternity. Yeah. But someone will pay for the wrong they've done to you. All right. All sin will be punished. Which is all great news till we realize we're guilty too. So the sins we've committed to others is hanging over our heads. Yeah. And we it's got to be accounted for. Mm-hmm. And as a Christian, that's the one thing I never had a problem believing is I never had a problem believing when I first heard the gospel. I think I'm in trouble. Not mm-hmm. that I'm not even I'm not even an especially bad person. I'm a mm-hmm. fairly regular person. Right. Yet I somehow knew, and I guess that is what you call regeneration. God made my spirit alive and aware of the reality of my sinfulness mm. and my thirst for him right. to take it away from me. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think w- one of the ways to think about it, the, the general way that people are born in this world is they know there's something wrong, like we've talked about, mm-hmm. and they also want to live forever. Yeah. Of course they do. Yeah. Right? Joyfully in a good situation. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Best yeah. possible life yeah. for the most amount of time right. possible, which is eternal perfection. Right. Um, that does not mean that they want the only one who can give them that, mm. right? So the, the problem of creation and is that, yes, um, we all know that there's a God and we all want to live forever in joy and happiness and peace, but we hate the God who can give us those things. Knowing, uh, wanting to go to heaven and wanting to submit your life to the Savior aren't the same things. Right? Not everybody who wants to go to heaven is going to do that. The only ones who are going to go or into eternity, um, sinless and righteous before a holy God, um, are the ones that choose to do that. So a desire for eternity and a desire for heaven is not the same thing as a willingness to love God and sacrifice your own will for him. Right, which is what the Bible says. You repent and offer yourself to the Savior to do with whatever he wills. That's mm. what repentance is. It's like a sign this blank contract. Don't worry, I'll fill it in later. I'll, you don't need to know what you're signing up for. Just know that in the end, I will save you and your sins have been paid for. Right? Mm-hmm. And I guess that's the way in which marriage is a picture of the, the church. Like it says... As the church, all believers form a, a team called the church. Mm-hmm. Church is not a building. It's the name of a team. Yeah. It's the Lakers, right? <laughs> the yeah. Lakers is not the same as the Staples Center in which they play. Yeah, okay. We've confused the term in modern times of yeah. the church, meaning a church building, and I go to church. No, the church is the army of believers, a, a royal priesthood is yeah. what the Bible calls us. We are going to be given away to Christ at the wedding sup- feast of the, of the lamb. Jesus mm-hmm. is called the lamb, for those of you who are not Christians. And the lamb receives his bride. His bride is us, all the believers in all the eras. We're presented and given over to him. And it's the same as a husband receiving his wife at, the, at, at in a marriage ceremony. Mm. And what's the basis of that situation? It's a relationship. So at the end of the day, Christianity is not a system. It's not a religion, right. true Christianity. It is the description of us communing in an intimate way, in a loving relationship with our creator. Mm-hmm. And either you're in love with him or you're not, right. right? Yeah, yeah. And when you fall in love with your creator and not just your idea of who and what he is and what he wants or she or it or they, mm-hmm. like Oprah would like us to, 
right? Mm -hmm. Where she can say, yeah, you just make, everyone's got their own version of God. Well, yeah, I I agree with that. Mm -hmm. Opinions vary tremendously about everything, including science. But God is, if God exists, he, he is exactly who he is and not what I want him to be. Mm-hmm. And the, a true believer is someone who seeks out true knowledge of who God is. And that's where the Bible comes in. That's where he's made his will most manifestly known. And those, I think it was a black preacher, I forget his name. He said, the will of God is that through the spirit of God, the word of God would change us to look more like the son of God. Hmm. And so within that strange, mysterious interplay, when I'm reading my Bible, doing the best that I can to understand it, doing it as a lifestyle, in those moments, there's something magical, quote unquote, magical happening where Mm -hmm. I am being confronted with God's person and changed into knowing him more and being made more like him. Mm -hmm. And that is the picture of salvation. It's not so much like, I grew up Catholic. Mm -hmm. I was baptized as an infant. I was confirmed as a 10 or 12 year old. And all my family, my grandparents, Quebec, you're either a a priest or a goaltender back in the old days, Mm -hmm. right? Everyone grew up to be, you know, Mm -hmm. or a farmer. So Catholicism is strong in Quebec, but Catholicism presents people as from my observation with a system, you know, Mm -hmm. almost like a bureaucracy. Do enough good deeds, and if you screw up, you got to pay your own way by doing confessional prayer and rosary beads and Hail Marys. Like, you're literally given a tax. If you go to confession and the priest says, okay, you've committed these sins, I want you to give me four Our Fathers and six Hail Marys, and mm-hmm. you're mm-hmm. paid up. Right. Right? It's a system. Yeah, it's uh, Catholic is faith and, right? right. And then sometimes, so, whereas and Protestant would be no faith, faith alone, right? Correct. Yes. Meaning we trust in our Savior whom we know personally and are coming to love more, which is the epicenter of our lives changing. Right. I think that's the definition really that Jesus gives and the Bible gives of what Christianity is. Um, It is a love of Jesus more than you love anything else. That's what it means to be a Christian. And if that's not what's happening then sorry, um, that's not how the Bible describes the followers of Jesus. Mm-hmm. The, God describes the followers of his son as people who love his son, right? So if that's not you, then you're not a follower of Christ, right? That's what the Bible says the issue is, right? People do not want God. Romans not three, right? Um, you know, no one, no one, not one seeks after mm-hmm. him, right? People don't want God, and so I always tell people when they question me, I, as a pastor, I get like lots of people come, I'm not sure I'm saved, I'm not sure I'm saved, yeah, and I get that. It's a, it's, a, it's a very big problem in our church, in the church in general, in the West especially, because we, are so, we so easily give our hearts to anything else, yeah. right? Money, free time, vacation, power, like family, whatever. Um, they're all nothing wrong with any of those things, but the Bible's very clear. Um, the the ones who are uh, being changed, the ones who have been regenerated and justified, and the ones that are going to be glorified, and the ones that are being sanctified, those are the people who love my Son. God says, mm. and that's the prerequisite, right? He has exalted Him above all else, right? And God loves the Son more than He loves anything else, right? All of this, all of creation, is for Him. And he is not going to accept people who don't love his son. Mm-hmm. And so when people come to me and they're, they're like, what am I, do I know what I'm saying? Do you love Jesus at all? 
That's my question. I'm not saying that you don't have areas to where you could love him better. Of course you do. Everybody does. But do you love Jesus? Like, do you think about him? Do you talk about him? Do you, do you want to see him? Do you want him to know you? Like, those are, the, those are the things that Christians think about. We think about Jesus, right? And we want to know him and we want to be like him and we want to please him and serve him and love him. We want others to do this. That's what following Jesus is, mm-hmm. right? And anything else, some system of rosaries and holy water or commute, like, I don't know whatever this is. It's just not, an, it's not what it's required. We need God to change us into people who love his son more than we love anything else because that is not our natural way we love ourselves Mm. right we love our comforts and our safe we love we love ease we we, that's but you can't have those things bible says right you can't love the world and love jesus if you love the world you're cooked Mm -hmm. right that's the dividing line between the followers of christ and the non-followers of christ if g when you become a true worshiper which is what jesus told the woman at the well right the time is coming where it's not about the temple anymore right and it's not about your thing on mount gerizim here right it's not about anything else except god wants true worshipers Mm -hmm. and he wants people who worship him in spirit and in truth yeah right that's what and that's the promise from jeremiah too right i'm no longer are they going to have cold stone hearts i'm going to give them alive hearts with my law and they're they're all going to know me and love me and point other people to love me as well yeah and that's it's funny because you know, the fact that Christianity teaches that that is, quote unquote, true religion, mm. right? To be in a relationship, a love relationship with the creator. That's how everyone runs their life. If they don't have a connection, a love connection with the creator, they're going to have a love connection. For example, I mean, look at all love songs. When you think about it, are describing ultimately what only God can fulfill. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. some that one love that is just, the perfect lover makes everything fine, right? Mm-hmm. Which never exists. All these rock stars who come up with these songs, they're serial divorcees. <laughs> they don't seem to find it in their lives, but they have they understand the desire deep down to connect with that perfect lover. Yeah. And from that, to for life to flow from that. Mm-hmm. And ironically, that's exactly what Christianity offers when properly understood. It's a passionate love relationship with the one who created you mm. and there's no more intimate you you sh- you have the ability to be more intimate with christ than your own spouse because christ can go deeper into me knows everything about me more so than my own wife mm-hmm. and vice mm-hmm. versa mm-hmm. we're the inroads that god the veins god has built spiritually into us go far deeper than how i can interface with my spouse who knows me better than anybody else on earth mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The intimacy capacity with God is by far the, the most. And that is how we all live our lives, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And that is, the, the gospel literally means the good news. Yeah. Could there be better news to know that the God who's ultimately in control of everything, who ultimately is the big cop, mm-hmm. who is going to come and get justice done, who has been honest enough to tell us, you're guilty, I have to find you guilty at the end of... And there is a court case coming. Yeah. And I love one guy said to me one time, he goes, well, all roads lead to God. And and what I like to say is that's actually correct. Totally. Yeah. Because Not good news, though. <laughs> no. You're going to be facing God. Yeah. No one's going to be able to hide or go down. I'm going to get judged by Buddha. I'm going to be judged by the Hindu gods. No. You're going to be facing the one true God mm-hmm. at the great white throne judgment. Mm-hmm. 
And it is terrifying to fall in the hands of the living God, as the Bible says. God has told us it's not going to go well unless you are declared not guilty. Mm -hmm. And it cannot depend on your performance because you've already blown it. Yeah. Some that is actually good news. And the fact that he doesn't require us to pay, you know, if you go and drop everything, give all your money to the poor and go off to Calcutta and spend the rest of your life feeding sick Indian kids. Mm-hmm. He's not going to ask for that because mm-hmm. that wouldn't even cover the debt. Mm-hmm. He says, I'll pay it for you. Mm-hmm. All I ask is that you get to know me, fall in love with me because mm-hmm. to know him is to love him because he is perfect and beautiful and good. Yeah. And then from that joyful real relationship will flow a greater amount of righteousness in your life on an ongoing basis. Yeah. And does the enemy not basically distract us? You know, mm-hmm. throwing- well, one of the ways he distracts us is with this thing called the debtor's ethic. I don't know if you ever heard of that. Mm. The idea that I want to be more morally upright so that I can somehow pay back the grace that has been given to me. Mm. Right. Like I can, I can, kind of push against that flow of grace from God and and give God back some obedience and kind of pay it back, debtor's ethic, Hmm. right? Um, That's not the way to think about spiritual life, your struggle with sin, um, your, your, your efforts to be holy and righteous and Christ-like. That's not why we do those things. There is no giving back, right? There is no stopping the constant flow of mercy and grace, right? There's a hymn we sing, um, Come Thou Found, Come Thou King, right? Oh, to grace, um, um, a debtor I'm daily constrained to be. But it's the idea of like, my debt goes up every second I'm alive to God, mm. right? I, there's no way I can pay anything back. Yeah. I have an infinite debt to him now, right? Because I have transgressed a holy and infinite God, mm-hmm. right? There's no, there's no paying it back. So we don't strive to be holy and Christ-like because we, we want to somehow appease God's or, or give back his grace. Right. Like, we're not giving it. Of course not. That's not. He doesn't want us to. He wants to give us more, yeah. right? So... We want to be holy and follow God because we love him. Yeah. That's all, right? We love him. He's given us these things. And, and we just, because I don't, I give my kids a, a really nice present. I don't, well, dad, I'll give you 10 bucks a week until it's like, I don't mm-hmm. want anything. Yeah, yeah. I want you to enjoy the present. Yeah. Right. I want you, to, I want us to have a, I want you to love me because I love you. And, you know, I, I want the relationship. Yeah. Right. Yes. He's, I he's, want he's, us to be together. I want us to like uh, relate each other and have a relationship. And yeah. that's such a different thing than the natural state yeah. where we're born to hate God. It's great news. Yeah. It's the best possible news mm. that we are to lay down our efforts. You know, like Jesus says, "My come to me if you're super tired yeah. of trying to get by in life. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And he right. meant that. Meaning it's, it's easier to follow him, believe it or not, emotionally, spiritually, than to go it alone. Mm-hmm. Well, the weight of trying to have your good deeds outweigh your, like, come on, give and me the a break. Of your, the weight of your own sin. I mean, as believers, we probably don't realize how much more our conscience would be bothering us if we didn't have the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. it would be rightfully bothering us, mm-hmm. right? We are accumulating a real debt, mm. and there's got to be a part of our minds that's when we're not born again, not mm-hmm. given the Spirit of God, because that, that is a, something the Bible teaches. We receive in a mysterious way, we become the temple. Mm. We actually do cohabitate in this carcass 
somehow with the spirit that gave birth to you, the universe. Yeah. Yeah. We're being lifted up and upheld in ways we probably don't feel or understand. Right. And that is a, I mean, not, not a thing, nothing but a blessing yeah. to be in communion with the creator who not only created us, but created us to house him in us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 